And now it's time for Guaranteeing Your Retirement with your host, David Graham from Graham Capital, an estate planning and investment management firm right here in Florida. Here's your host, David Graham. Good morning. This is Dave Graham, the retirement guy, and you're listening to Guaranteeing Your Retirement on this beautiful day here in the Tampa Bay area, weather in the 70s. All these people up north shoveling snow, scraping ice off their windshields. Good gosh. Aren't you glad you moved to Florida? I know I am. That's for sure. This show is brought to you by Graham Capital Advisors. We're the people that you come to when you're getting ready for retirement and you want to do it properly. You want to do it correctly. Let us help you. Let us help you. We have well over 40 years of experience myself personally. We have the best of the best helping our clients not miss anything when it comes to the issue of retiring. You know, it really hasn't changed that much since I started back in the day when we're dealing with our moms and dads back, you know, in the 70s and 80s where we get starting, get ready for retirement. All the World War II generation hasn't really changed that much. Sure, people don't ladder CDs any longer, but look how easy it was for, for our parents. They all owned their homes outright, made sure that home was paid off. Rest of their money, they put into CDs and the bank and they would ladder them, wanted to make sure they didn't lose it. All seem to live comfortably without any of the stress that we have today. Uh, maybe it's because they didn't have the internet and, and media, social media back then. Who knows? But principles are still the same. Nothing's changed. Three-legged stool, holy trinity, trifecta, call it what you want. It's illegal. It's planning and investing. And in our company, we have the best of the best helping you. Now, financially, we have certified financial planners, certified senior advisors. Myself, I'm a master estate planner. We don't miss anything. We take pride in what we do. We actually get professional designations. We want to help our clients best possible way we can, stay current with what's going on. And we're fiduciaries. We don't sell things. So if you think now's the time to get a good second opinion on what you're doing, let us help you. you no, know, last year, a lot of people got hurt, really got hurt financially. Our clients didn't because we knew what was happening. We also kind of know what's going to be happening by this summer. Remember, the third year of a presidency is always a mess, and that's where we're going right now. Let us help you. Let us help you be safe. Take the stress out of it. It's Graham Capital Advisors. Okay, let's start off. A lot of people have been calling in. They've been wondering where I am on the radio and... and uh, we're doing a podcast now for all our client base and people that want to get on, you know, iHeart or Spotfly or Apple or any of the podcast shows. And well, the reason being is I'm taking care of someone now that I love dearly and learning, learning what it's like to have to go to Lee Moppet once a week and learning a lot about palliative care, believe me. And life is short. Like Teddy used to say, live it up, live it up. But you know, when you look at, how you're living your life. It's something that you don't really think about until you know that 
you might be coming towards the end of it. So think about this for a second. Think about it. This is something we don't think about when we're younger. Okay? If if you only only when you really know and understand that we have a limited time on Earth and that we have no way of knowing when our time is up, that's when we begin to live each life, each day to the fullest, as if it was the only one that we had. Now, when you think about it for a second. You know, we go about our days, the humdrum of doing what we do, worrying about things we shouldn't worry about. But think about how short and precious life is. That if you're doing anything, we never know when our number is going to be called. But the reality of it is that we should always be doing something we truly enjoy doing that's important to us. If you have children, obviously your children are important to you. Then your grandchildren are important to you. Spend time with them. My gosh. My gosh. What do we leave in this world? What we leave is memories. Memories. And you want to know that you're going to be leaving good memories. And I don't want to necessarily sound more than here, but the fact of the matter is that sometimes we get get caught up with so much of the garbage that exists in this world today, especially now, I mentioned it earlier on the show, on the social media, you can get engrossed in things and life goes by and you, you kind of transcend all the important things. So try to start living each life. Each, I keep saying life, but try to keep living each day as if it was the last day of your life and watch what happens. You'll really make a radical change in your life. And that be said, okay, there's a lot going on. We have Stash Graham coming on in a couple of minutes. But when you look at what we always start with, a couple of quibits here. I don't know if you saw this one in the news. A couple in Alabama, they recently had a baby born on December 18th. What's notable about that is both parents had their birthday on December the 18th. The odds of that happening are one in 133,000. Think about that one for a second. Here's a fun fact of the week. The world consumes 2.25 billion cups of coffee every day. And I'm very proud to say that I, I know I drink at least a half a dozen of them. And all the new research, all the new research says it ain't going to kill you. It's actually going to be good for you, and it gives you longevity. It stimulates you. You know, obviously, if you have some kind of a, you know, intestinal problem, you have to be careful with it because of the acidity. But the fact of the matter is it's a stimulant, and it's, and it's a healthy stimulant. So I like to say that because I'm addicted to it. Oh, boy. Okay, quote of the week. If people concentrated on the really important things in life, there'd be no shortage of fishing poles. I like that one, too. And, of course, we always have to finish with our crime of the week. The federal government, they always have to have something that your taxes and mine are paying for. But they will enforce this. It's a federal crime to sell pinworm treatment without telling consumers that they should talk to a doctor if they have other kinds of worms in addition to their pinworms. Okay. I'm not talking about fishing here. I'm talking about what's in your belly. Good gosh. And with all of that, we have the infamous James Berlander on the board for us this morning. Good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Well, you look bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I, I've been drinking a ton of coffee, which I, I, I'm i thankfully here. It's, it's healthy for me now. I'm telling you, I... 
<laughs> I always constantly read the, the Harvard Medical Reports and they, every new piece of research comes out saying, yeah, it's not that bad, especially if you're a senior. So, I'll be but sure to anyway, drink more. Uh, we have Stash coming out in about five minutes or so. James, what do we have as far as, as a, 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 give, give me a, a good email. To talk sure. About. Let me uh, grab one out of the uh, stack here. Uh, let's see. John in Bradington asks, I have heard you many times on the radio over the years say that it's very important to have a trust, but once I get one, I can never change it. And what does it have to do with money? Okay. Well, John, there's two kinds of trust. There's an irrevocable trust. That is what you're talking about. You do not want an irrevocable trust. You want what's called a revocable trust, but you can change it at any time. No, a generation or two ago, you know, families, men got irrevocable trusts and back in the 50s and 60s, and they would make sure that the local bank took care of mom and the kids if something happened to them. Those days are long gone. Back in the late 60s, women start saying, hey, I don't want some banker controlling our family. I can do it ourselves. The world has changed on us. So you basically get a revocable trust that will then allow you to preserve your assets. Okay, now, number one, you why do we get a trust? Well, for starters, you talk about how does it, what does it have to do with money? What's the leading cause of bankruptcy for people over the age of 55? It's health issues. And if you get a good revocable trust with all the necessary, what they refer to as ancillary documents, that's healthcare surrogate, power of attorney, what have you, that are elder law driven, that means that you can reposition your assets so you try the best you possibly can to avoid the issue of spend down. Because if, you, God forbid, you had a stroke or an aneurysm or you came down with some kind of a neurological illness, you're going to spend every dime you have getting health care. You know, if you have to spend all the way down at 2000 bucks if you're by yourself, your entire life savings will be spent on your health care. But if you get a good revocable trust with all the necessary ancillary documents, then you can preserve and protect what you have. Now, just, just think about what you get. Now, here's, here's normally you get seven or eight different documents besides the trust document. Okay. The first reason why I get a trust is, and I tell this to anyone that has over 50,000 bucks in assets, you don't want to have to go through a probate. You don't have to go through a probate. You know, AARP says the average probate takes about 18 months. That means for 18 months, your estate will be tied up with some attorneys who then will be charging you and your, your, your estate a fee with money that should be going to your kids. If you get a revocable trust, there is no probate. You could appoint one of your kids to, to take care of you, take care of your estate or you know, have all of your kids do it, whatever way you want to, whatever floats your boat. But the fact of the matter is you avoid the issue of probate. But even, even then, when, when you get a revocable trust, it gives you all these arrows in your quiver. Think of it that way, right? Where you have a power of attorney, healthcare surrogate, mental healthcare surrogate. Florida differentiates between physiological and psychological. You have a document for it. You have the Terry Schiavo living will. You have a conservatorship. You have a guardianship. And then naturally, as, as, as you get older, you have final expenses. You have an assignment of your personal effects. That means if you have grandpa's old shotgun and you have two, two boys, well, 
you better point one of them. They're going to be fighting over the thing. So just make sure that that you have everything in writing properly. So if God forbid something did happen to you, it's going to be preserved and correct properly. Uh, a revocable trust is, is a necessity. It truly is a necessity in today's world to preserve your assets. That's what it has to do with money. If you want to keep what you have, all it is is a pile of paper. You can get yourself a big fat trust, a good revocable trust cost about 1500 bucks. You don't want to spend less, but then you're getting a, 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 in a trust that doesn't have all the documents, but then you don't want to be gouged by some attorney. And anyone that needs good legal representation, we can get that for you at Graham Capital Advisors. Remember, we have offices here in Tampa on West Kennedy Boulevard. We have one on Ringling Boulevard in Sarasota. We have the best of the best attorneys helping us we can get the job done for you. But, you know, in answer to the question, what does it cost? It's about 1500 bucks, but it will get the job done for you. And after that, then you fund your trust. You make sure, other than your qualified money, like your IRA or 401k or 403b, 457, for whatever that is qualified, that goes directly to, to an individual or your children or to your spouse or whatever. But... The rest of your assets, especially your house, we put into the trust. And we can help you with that. It's a three-legged store, legal planning and investing, and we do it all. If you feel that you need help with it, go to our website and schedule an appointment. It's GrahamCapitalAdvisors.com. And online, we have Stash Graham, Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management in Washington, D.C. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. Good morning to you. Good morning, David. Well, here we are. Markets have been on a roll again, Stash. So w- what's going on with the markets now? You know, we're beginning of the year here. Uh, what's what's happening? Well, I think what's happening is you're seeing companies as we start the fourth quarter earnings season, uh, they are offering figures that either underwhelm or they offer guidance looking forward through the rest of 2023, guidance that doesn't meet expectations. And I would say that right now, you're probably seeing, and we're only a few days into the fourth quarter earnings season, David, but I would say about 70 to 75% of the companies are falling in stock price because either they missed their numbers for the fourth quarter of 2022 or because of a weak guidance moving forward. And it's not just the banks. We saw very early on because banks tend to be the first sector that reports, whether it's J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo. Uh, by and large, banks were weak with their numbers, even though they generated fantastic earnings for the fourth quarter. Uh, their guidance left a lot to be desired. But it, it wasn't only banks. It's also consumer staple companies like Procter & Gamble, uh, which offered very good guidance for 2023, except they reported that their sales volume started to shrink, uh, which got the market a little bit uh, concerned about, okay, well, you know what? If we are in the early stages of a broader economic recession, it looks like Procter & Gamble is going to have to find other ways besides their overall sales volume, their top-line revenue. They're going to have to find other ways to make money, and that's very tough for companies like Procter & Gamble that tend to have tight profit margins. Sure. Well, P&G, they pay a decent dividend, don't they? 
They pay a decent dividend. I mean, the, you could find a ton of consumer staple companies that pay a good dividend. Consumer staples, when we look back at 2022, consumer staples were one of the better performing sectors. Right. It was right up there with energy. Now, energy was your clear winner. But when you start looking under energy and looking at sectors that maybe didn't lose as much, consumer staples, of which Procter & Gamble is a part of, uh, was very much so at the the high end of the list of, of uh, strong performers last year. Right. Well, look, you know, last year, 2022, both stocks and bonds both dropped double digits. You know, it's pretty rare for both stocks and bonds to be down in the same year. You know, in fact, I read where it's only happened four times since 1928. But, you know, 2022 was one of the worst years ever for a portfolio of stocks and bonds. And there's some argument now on Wall Street of the old 60-40 uh, way of investing, what, what do, would you recommend with, with the economy going into a third year of a presidency, which is usually a bad year anyway? Uh, what's your take, take on that? So the 60-40 portfolio, and, and we've talked about this with partners of ours over the last at least six or seven months, the 60-40 portfolio was never dead. Uh, you did see a lot of commentary in mass financial media about that. It, it's not dead. It never was. Uh, it's just you have to look at what composed or what is owned in your 60-40 portfolio. What are the components of this uh, broader allocation mix? And if you are one who held uh, and you entered 2022 and you held corporate bonds that were yielding one5 2%, because you held it in the ETF, uh, then yeah, you got punished. Uh, but the 60-40 portfolio never died. It, it, it's still there. And if anything, this should be a great year for the 60-40 portfolio. Uh, but again, you have to know what you're invested in. You, and you have to look at what the components are of what you're invested in. Sure, sure. Well, you know, again, it, to, when you look at where we're going, the third year of a presidency again, and where we were a year ago. I mean, just look at the housing market. You know, mortgage rates more than doubled. The, the housing market was red hot in 2020 and 21, and some might even say it was out of control. But, you know, low in, low mortgage rates weren't the only reason for that, but they definitely were part of it. But rates jumped from like 3% to 7% less than a year, and that has slowed substantially the housing market. And they always say when you look at building a house, all the different ingredients that go into the house, you know, you have lumber, you have copper, you have wiring, you have plywood, you know, all of the building of a house. When that slows, that instinctively slows the economy down. So let's just talk about the housing market, for example. What do you see with housing now? So housing has certainly slowed down and it should be a quiet period for new home sales, I would say at least for the next couple of months, because there's a seasonal aspect to home prices and home builders building homes. I think what's alarming to us, and it is a component of several leading economic indicators, LEIs, uh, metrics and charts that we observe, uh, new home starts is one of those components. And home starts is very much so a leading indicator. And the reason why is when you think about the development of homes, the before you can do anything, getting, excuse me, uh, it's not home starts, it's building permits. 
building permits. Before you can do anything, you have to get a building permit from your local municipality. Right. Then you can start building your home by putting the foundation in, uh, having the land grazed and set up to be able to put a home. Uh, and we've seen building permits for the last seven months fall off a cliff. So we haven't seen necessarily home prices really fall that much. They've come down, but single-digit percentage points. Uh, but March, April, and May, that is going to be your important month. You're going to need to see sales pick up as the season, as weather turns, and people start looking at homes. Hopefully, interest rates pair back a little bit more. Uh, but there are several variables that's needed to get that buyer into the market purchasing homes. Some of it might be home prices falling further. Some might be mortgage rates coming down. Um, and then ultimately confidence from that person that they're not buying a home into a broader home price uh, capitulation. Uh, because if you believe home prices are going to be cheaper six months from now, then you're, you're going to be less willing to buy. And sure. so that is a psychology that also has to be mended. Uh, and again, so there, there are a few variables at play. I think systemically, though, for home builders over the next three to five years, home builders are pared back their building. We had a structural imbalance coming into this COVID, uh, um, uh, COVID buying spree of homes, and that imbalance is still there. It's not as much as where it was three years ago, but it's still there now. Uh, so I think three to five years, you're going to be okay, but you might have some speed bumps over the next year or two. Right. Yeah, I, I was amazed at going at the Home Depot and Lowe's and then seeing that the price of lumber has dropped almost 50% from less than 18 months ago because of the, the home building uh, market slowing down. And so I figured, good gosh, now's the best time in the world to build a new deck. And I got one going on in the house right now because take advantage of it when it is where it's at, but it's not always going to be that way. You know, another thing that got murdered last year in 2022, you know, I know cryptocurrencies is a new thing and, you know, conversations about it are constantly changing, but Bitcoin got murdered. And for the last several years, all these crypto disciples you know, I've said that it's the only way to hedge against inflation, but 2022, it was a wrecking ball to this theory. Was, uh, Bitcoin crashed when inflation was hitting 9%. I know you're not a fan of necessarily of Bitcoins, but what's your take on all of that? Do you think it's going to be coming back? Uh, it, it could. It could come back, but I think you still have to see a lot of pain from here. Um my skepticism is largely based off there's no functional use for it. Uh, it right. was, and, and I think when you look back at the evolution of cryptocurrency uh, over the last you know, 12 to 13 years, when it first got started, it was supposed to be an alternative currency. And then when it wasn't that, then it was, well, you need it for the blockchain. The blockchain is the technology that you need to own cryptocurrency. And then when it was realized that you could just develop your own blockchain and you didn't need the actual cryptocurrencies, uh, then it became a store of value. And then it changed to it's a speculative asset, which now is the recent development over the last year. It's just really a speculative asset. It's a game of musical chairs. Right. And that's what it's always been. So certainly if someone has 
pushed you or uh, uh, pitched you on cryptocurrency as an investment over the last decade, I think you legitimately should question them and sure. whether their intentions or their, their financial wherewithal. Uh, right. Because very clearly, it is a just a pure game of musical chairs. Uh, so I would expect as you continue to have more exchanges, uh, more crypto lending firms go bankrupt, and there's another one that's getting ready to file uh, bankruptcy this week, Genesis, uh, which was uh, the creation of the Winklevoss twins, who were famous for being behind the original idea of Facebook. Um, that bankruptcy will certainly hurt. And you figure, I think one of the most interesting dynamics of this entire unwind of, um, of crypto firms is whether it is uh, FTX, whether it is um, uh, Binance, whether it is Genesis, whether it is Gemini Trust, and Gemini Trust in particular is, is the Winklevoss twin um, entity. Um, any one of these, I think the interesting dynamic was, is they are all intertwined. Right. They all have investments in each other. And so when FTX went down, that brought down other firms with it even though you would like to think those businesses have a degree of independence, they're right. all intertwined. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and that's one of the interesting dynamics that maybe I underappreciated about the whole crypto world right. uh, over the years. No, no. FDX was one of the biggest frauds in history, you know, with most of the biggest fraudsters, like, you know, like a Bernie Madoff, uh, there were usually people who smelled a rat and, and they, they had been, you know, sounding alarm for months or even years but again, I don't think you're going to be putting any of your clients' monies in cryptocurrencies. If it, the old cliche, if it looks too good to be true, it usually is. And and uh, you know, you know, again with with FTX, there were people who thought something wasn't perfect with the world's largest you know crypto exchange, but nobody seemed to have any idea just how bad it really was because it's not regulated. It's not rocket science. And I'm I'm just glad that we didn't have to worry about that. What about energy stocks? You know, gas prices, they soared. Gas went from three to five bucks, which was painful for most households and certainly contributed to inflation and the cooling of the economy. Now, fortunately, they've come back now and are close to where they were before uh, the, the war in Ukraine. What's your take on, on the energy markets? So I think the energy markets, it depends. You, you really have to look at what aspect of the energy markets are, are you looking at. Uh, it would not shock me if you see energy prices fall over the next five to six months. Uh, and I think that would be a time to be, that would be an interesting time if this situation plays out where energy prices fall, energy stocks fall over the next five to six months because of this global recession risk uh, coming to, to the forefront. If that situation plays out, I think energy might be an interesting investment at that point in time. Uh, similar to home builders, probably even more so than home builders, the structural imbalance, the lack of investment globally by energy producers over the last few years uh, is, is very evident. It is a very capital-starved industry and sector. And while, yes, globally, if we do have a recession, demand would wane, you do have other aspects, say China reopening, India showing relative strength and they're big consumers of energy products. Uh, you do have other emerging markets with large populations 
who could stem the tide of a falling demand uh, uh, to maybe make the fall a little less robust? And that would be a risk that would be very detrimental to energy. But overall, say you look out a couple years and you get through this recession, there's still going to be growing demand for energy products. Uh, and within the energy world, so say we're talking about an investment now, I would be less inclined to put capital into uh, EMP companies, exploration production companies, and more inclined to invest in, say, gasoline refiners, renewable diesel refiners, uh, pipeline companies. Those types of entities, maybe some, some type of oil field service companies, uh, depending on which oil field service they provide, I think it's those respective sectors that you want to take a look at, uh, especially in the pipeline companies, because of the projectability of their revenue and their models of energy companies are going to produce, they're going to get oil out of the ground, and they're going to use their pipeline, and they're going to pay a flat fee for doing it. Uh, the pipeline companies are probably the best way to hide uh, uh, if there was a global recession, even though their share prices would fall uh, because all energy or all company stocks, uh, all global at-risk assets will fall if there is uh, um, a hint of a global recession. Oh, to say the least, let me ask you something. On the news this past week, they talked about for the first time at, at the Livermore Labs of creating fusion actually creating fusion, and it's in its infancy. It's just like when the Wright brothers flew their plane for the first time. It's only beginning, but we're still 20 years away from it possibly being used commercially. You'll have it in your lifetime, not, not in mine, but, but the fact is that we have now an alternative to fossil fuels. And you know, when you see people like Bill Gates and Buffett putting in billions of dollars of investment money trying to get this thing started. How soon do you think that will actually be affecting the fossil fuel sector of, of the energy? I mean, you think it's a decade away, 15 years away? This like electric cars, do you see a, a change this coming year or you think it's, it's steady of the course, it's stay as it is? So it's probably stay as it is, but there are people, as you mentioned, uh, who are very influential in the space that feel very strongly about this being a, a viable source of energy moving forward, but it's expensive. And I think it's one of the dynamics that people are missing about as we look to these alternative energy sources away from oil and gas, uh, natural gas, uh, away from coal. Um, I, I think people are underestimating the the expense associated with that transition, uh, not only monetarily, but from a time perspective too, right. because it takes time to invest and build out these uh, resources. Right. Um, and I think that's where people got, whether it was coal, whether it was uh, oil uh, or natural gas, I think that's where they got this part of the thesis wrong. Uh, and you talk about sectors that uh, or energy products that were just very unloved at various points over the last decade, that is your primary reason 
why sure. you saw such a lack of investment and such a lack of interest in allocating capital into those sectors because everyone was projecting the death of coal or right. the death of crude oil because everyone was going to have an electric vehicle or sure. uh, you know people were going to put windmills up outside their their house uh, right. it just again it's just not there were parts of that thesis that were wrong and mm-hmm. and uh, I don't see it changing anytime soon Sure. Stash, as always, we appreciate your sound sage advice, and we'll be talking to you next week. You take care, buddy. Absolutely. Take care, David. Uh, you're listening to Stash Graham, our Chief Investment Officer, Managing Director of Graham Capital Wealth Management. Just go to GrahamCapitalWealth.com. That's GrahamCapitalWealth.com. And set up a time to go see Stash if you feel you need a good second opinion. All righty? If you really want to be lucky in life, go help someone. And God's going to smile on you. They're going to get to be incredibly lucky. We're lucky to be Americans. It's right on our currency. God, we trust. Good luck. God bless. Take care of each other. See you next week. This program is sponsored by Graham Capital Advisors, LLC. Graham Capital Advisors, LLC is an independent estate planning and insurance agency. Investment advisory services are provided by Graham Capital Wealth Management, LLC, an independent registered investment advisor. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Graham Capital Wealth Management and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. The information provided is for educational informational purposes only and does not constitute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. Individuals should consult with a qualified professional for guidance before making any purchasing decisions.